never ceases to amaze me how a room this big full of people can be so quiet. <clears throat> Peggy Carolyn Sipes Lee, she was a beloved wife and mother, sister and grandmother and great-grandmother, and surrounded by her loving family, the Lord called her home on November the 5th. She was preceded in death by her own parents, Milford and Opal Sipes, and her infant twins, Jason and Cinda. She survived by her husband, Norm. Together they were 54 years into their marriage. Their daughter, Shauna Smith and Brian, four grandchildren, Garrett and Sarah, Shay and Kylie, five great-grandchildren, Amory Clark, Evelyn Smith, Grayson Deck, Levi Wright, and Harper Deck. And she is survived also by her brother, Michael Sipes, sisters, Marka Pearson and Kathy Sipes, as well as an honorary sister, Mary Profetto. Numerous nieces, nephews, so many dear friends of which uh, you are a part. And I know that the family appreciates uh, your presence today. Uh, it is an encouragement. It is a comfort. And uh, it means uh, so much, especially at a time like this. Only in biblical Christianity can we say that while Peggy has died, yet she lives. Because that's true. She's now face to face with her Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. What lies before us is her empty earth suit awaiting its return to the dust of the earth. But Peggy's eternal soul, her spirit, it is now taken residence in heaven as Jesus himself promised when he spoke to his disciples in that upper room. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, 
We do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And I can't help it, the the teacher part of me needs to make a comment that intentionally, as John was led by the Spirit of God, as he wrote these words in John chapter 14, he included the definite article in each case, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's telling us about the exclusivity of Christ as the only way. There is no other way. I'm sure that just about every one of us has at one time or another been inside a Bass Pro Shop. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? You go in there because you want to get one thing. You want to get a Texas double sidewinder because you heard that that's what they're hitting this week. And at the Bass Pro Shop, they've got three shelves full of Texas sidewinders. And every color you could imagine, every size, weight, all you want is one. And they've got a hundred to choose from. Man has sort of done that with religion. We've got so many different ways. You pick the one you like that's best. God tells us in his word that in his Bass Pro Shop, there's only one on the shelf. That's the only one there is. There is no other. And when it comes to having a relationship with the God of heaven, it is through his son, Jesus Christ. And Peggy knew that way. She knew the God of heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, when I first met Peggy during the days of our merger, back in 2014, I think, I was taken back by her name, Peggy Lee. You see, when I was growing up, I knew about another Peggy Lee. She was a singer and sang in nightclubs all across the country, and uh, she was nothing like the Peggy Lee that, that we know. She was wealthy, famous, but yet she was a, a Shakespearean tragic hero. She battled alcohol addiction and drug addiction. And she was alone. She had money to do whatever she wanted to do. She had money to buy whatever she wanted to buy. And yet she learned that there were things that money can't buy. She was desperately a lonely person. And she had a song that became her theme song. Uh, These are the words... Speaking of life and what it gives to you and what it holds for you, she said, is that all there is? 
Is that all there is? Well, if that's all there is, my friend, let's keep on dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all there is. Pretty sad outlook on life. But that was that Peggy Lee. Now, the Peggy Lee that we knew, she was nothing like that. In contrast, our Peggy Lee was a woman full of life and love. Uh, She was a wonderful woman. She had purpose in her life. She had hope in her life. She and Norm had a wonderful marriage relationship of 54 years. And by the way, Norm, uh, I'm pretty confident that I can tell you that only God's calling her home could have separated her from you. She would never, ever have left your side except to return the the call of her father to go home. She was devoted as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. She was a woman full of life and hope because the Spirit of God and the person of Christ himself dwelt in her and produced acts of righteousness through her. And we witnessed that. We received that. She loved us, and she showed us that love, and it was a love that was generated and motivated by the love of God that so richly dwelt in her own life. She was like a spiritual sponge, and when she would hug you, she would just squeeze God's love all over you. But it was okay. That's, you don't mind getting wet with that kind of love. <laughs> Uh, In contrast to the other Peggy Lee, our Peggy had songs too. She had songs that she loved to sing. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. I'm, I'm not singing it. And you, you, you're thankful for that, I know. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. That's the kind of song our Peggy liked to sing. Never a trial that he is not there. Never a burden that he doth not bear. Never a sorrow that he doth not share. Moment by moment, I'm under his care. Moment by moment, I'm kept in his love. Moment by moment, I've life from above. 
looking to Jesus till glory doth shine. Moment by moment, O Lord, I am thine. That's the kind of music she liked to sing. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. I could just about read you every book song that's in the hymn book. And Peggy would say, I like that one too. Let's sing that one. She loved those hymns because they spoke of her God. They spoke of her Savior. They spoke of the comfort that was hers because of her relationship with him through faith alone and what Christ alone did for us at the cross of Calvary. She was a great, great lady. It would be stupid to even say we're going to miss her. Of course we're going to miss her. Terribly. But we know where she is. She's with her Savior. And that's, that's a hope that every one of us ought to have. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, your hope is that one day you will see him face to face and there'll be no judgment. There will just be that welcome. This is your home. I prepared it for you. Now you come and enjoy it for all eternity. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Above all else, we thank you for your presence with us today. I ask you, Lord, to comfort and encourage this family and all of us as we remember and honor one of your finest servants. In all that is said and done, as we reflect on a life well-lived, may we who yet remain in this life be challenged by what you have accomplished through the life of Peggy Sipes Lee. And we ask this in the name of him who is the way, the truth, and the life. To him be all glory now and forever. Amen. Now, Michael, you come. Is there a Michael? Oh, Kylie, I'm sorry. That's close to Michael, isn't it? <laughs> I gotta get pulled up here. 
I wasn't expecting to do this like right now, so I'm sorry. All right. So first, I'd like to say thank you to everyone that's here. I'm not really shocked by the amount of people that are here because I know she was so loved, and she loved all of you as well. So my Nana never wanted to be the center of attention, so I'm going to try and make this kind of quick. Um, but I've been trying to think of a specific memory to tell. But there was just so many, I couldn't do that. So I have a lot, um, but I kind of shortened it. So I remember Saturday morning shopping days. Now that's right, morning. Because if we didn't get there by the time that the stores were opening, she wasn't going, and she refused. I remember always stopping and getting some ice cream from Chick-fil-A or wherever we could because she always wanted ice cream. I remember spending the night with her on Saturday nights to wake up and go get breakfast either at Hardee's or at Jack's and then come here afterwards. I remember every holiday, every birthday, any kind of celebration she was hosting. And we probably don't have enough pictures of her because she was always the one that wanted to take a picture of everyone and everything. I remember always wanting to make her laugh because her laugh was just so cute. Most of all, I remember how much she loved the Lord. If I was going through a hard time, whether I was five, upset because I couldn't have a certain crayon color, or if I was 23 going through one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through, she always knew what to say. She always reminded me to just lean on God and to pray. Her voice and her words, they always calmed me down. She always told me, well, honey, you just pray and remember that God is in control and it's going to be okay. And, wow, I think my whole family and I have been reminding ourselves that a lot lately. <laughs> she had the biggest heart for everyone and would go above and beyond just for anyone, even if she barely knew you. I've always admired her. So I always use the word cute to describe my Nana. We would talk on the phone. She would answer. She'd say, hey, baby. And I would always answer, hey, cutie. Only because cute was the best way to sum her up. There's so many ways that I could describe her. But if I said everything, we would be here all day long. She was beautiful. She was kind. She was loving. She was giving selfless, a godly woman, and so much more. <laughs> I selfishly just want her back here. I want her kind soul here to make the bad days better. I want her here to give my papa and my mom and the rest of my family more memories and more time. But we know she is rejoicing, and she is healed, and she is with the Lord, and she is happy where she is. 
And if we just trust in him, I know we'll see her again. And if it's okay, I would like to say a little prayer. So if we could bow our heads. We are gathered here today to say our final goodbyes to my Nana Peggy. We are hurting, we are sad, and we miss her more than words can even express. However, we know she is with you. We know she is dancing on the streets of gold and rejoicing in her forever home. We find light in the darkness knowing where she is. We pray that you lay your healing hands over everyone in this room who is grieving, and that if someone here does not know you, that they will, and they will be able to live forever with you and also see my precious little Nana again. Amen. Like I said, I was trying to make that quick, so sorry. But I just wanted to say thank you to my Nana. Thank you for showing me what I wanted to be, showing me the kind of woman I want to be, and I hope I can be half as good as you are. I love you, Nana. Thank you, Kylie. Um, this, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to stand and sing on a couple of great hymns that talk about the faithfulness of her Lord and the grace that he has shown her and all of us. So let's all stand and let's sing it like you mean it, okay? Let's sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness Oh. 
First of all, it is a good day. And the reason it is a good day is because our Peggy Lee is with the Lord. Funerals are confusing for those that don't belong to the Lord. 
Because if I was to say to you that today is not only about grief, but it's also about celebration, the grief part you would understand, the celebration part you might not. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then the celebration part is not there. All you have is history. You don't have what's yet future. You see, the Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as Pastor George said, that is Peggy Shell. She is with the Lord and she's rejoicing with him right this very moment as we sit in this place. So, I don't know about you, but I love Miss Peggy. She was a wonderful lady. We could be here, like Kylie said, all day long talking about how wonderful Miss Peg was. That's what I called her, Miss Peg. I never did ask permission to call her Miss Peg, although I probably should have, but I didn't. I think she was okay with it. Let me just tell you a little bit, a bit about me and Miss Peggy. It was about two or three years after Teresa and I had come to Springville Road, so that would have been about 1998 or 99. And um, I was in the downstairs part of the building, and Peggy Lee was always around the nursery. If you knew Peggy, she loved those babies. And we had a little boy named Andrew, and she always wanted to hold Andrew, which I was good with. And I remember one particular Sunday walking around the hall and seeing Miss Peggy and walking up to her and say, and I said, Miss Peggy, I got something to say to you. She said, okay, sweetie. She always called me sweetie, which was nice. And um, I said, Miss Peg, and Teresa was standing right next to me. I said, you remind me so much of my grandmother. <coughs> and she said, okay. <laughs> she said, well, how would that be? I said, well, I said, your mannerisms are so much alike and your character is so much alike. I said, you're just such a, a, an easy person to have a relationship with. I said, I really just enjoy being around you. Well, Teresa had this awkward look on her face the whole time I was talking. And so we get outside, and she looks at me, and she says, Dad, Peggy is not old enough to be your grandmother. <laughs> but I can tell you this, that even last Wednesday, a week ago yesterday, I talked to her about being my grandmother. And it was okay with Miss Payne. Norman, you just can't say Norman without Peggy. And you can't say Peggy without Norman. Did you guys happen to see the reel as it was being, the, the, the pictures? There was one picture that absolutely just caught my attention. This is not part of what I wanted to discuss today. But when I saw it, I was like, whoa. That picture so communicates because there was a picture of Peggy Lee and Elaine Lett. Absent in the picture 
are Norman Lee and Lloyd Lett. And they had their sunglasses on, and they had that look about them. And I'm like, I sat right over there about where Mr. Lloyd's sitting, and I thought, yeah, those guys weren't in control of anything. <laughs> I want you to know Mr. Norm and Shauna and Brian and Kylie, Michael and Shay, Sarah and Trey. That as the Lord and Garrett, as the Lord puts you guys on my mind and my heart, I will pray for you. It's hard to see the one you love depart. But can you imagine how much harder it is for those without hope? And so, Kylie, what you did today in sharing about your grandmother and sharing about that hope, I really, really appreciate. I wanted to just share for a few moments about the testimony of Peggy Lee because there is something that all of us have to consider this morning, and it's the question of do you have a testimony? Do you have one? See, because we can talk about Peggy's all day long. Peggy had a testimony. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that testimony, but the question becomes for you and for me, do we have a testimony? Do we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior? That's the question that we have to ask, because as we're sitting in this room, as I'm standing, Peggy Lee is face-to-face -face with her Savior. So she's just fine, but the question is, are you? When was that day that you placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Last Wednesday, a week ago Wednesday, I had the privilege of, of being in the home, and the Lord gave me the privilege of one final conversation with Peggy. She went down so quickly that for even from Wednesday to Thursday, I went from having a conversation with her Wednesday to not being able to have one with her on Thursday. And so that Wednesday, um, she was lying on the couch, and um, I just was compelled to go and, and just sit by her. And so I sat by her on the floor, and I just looked at her. I said, Miss Peg, I need to know something. She said, what's that, sweetie? I said, when did you come to know the Lord as your Savior? She said, Dad, when I was eight years old. She said, I knew I was a sinner, and I knew Christ died for my sins, and I trusted in Him as my Savior. One of the things about being a pastor is when you meet with the people who are about to go home to be with the Lord, it crosses your mind so much. Lord, what's their testimony? You know, I know that Peggy belonged to you, but I had not heard when she got saved. I did not know she was saved as a girl at eight years old. But she was very careful to stop me after she shared with me that she belonged to the Lord. She said, Dad, I want you to understand something. I wasn't that good when I was a teenager. <laughs> well, what do you say? I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't either, but I wasn't either. She said, but I want you to know something happened to me when I was in my 20s. She said, I can't remember exactly the year. But she said, I remember knowing that I already belonged to the Lord Jesus. She said, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I want to live my life for you. Well, those are two different things. Hey, do we understand? Those are two different things. 
One is salvation and the other is a life of sanctification, living for the Lord. And she came to the point in her life where she understood, hey, look, I say he's my Savior and he is, but I need to live for him. And for the rest of her life, she served the Lord. So when I think about Peggy Lee, I think about a servant of the Lord. I want you to listen to these words about a servant of the Lord. And see if they someday might could even apply to you because they certainly applied to Peggy Lee. A servant of the Lord knows him intimately. A servant of the Lord is one who seeks the Lord's will for their life. A servant of the Lord voluntarily sets aside his or her own personal rights in order to serve him. You know, that's where a lot of Christians get stuck. I'm just being honest. Because giving up my personal rights and, hey, Lord, I want to do this with my life is really improper language for a Christian. The proper language is, Lord, what do you want me to do with the life that you've given me? Well, Peggy Lee understood that. A servant of the Lord, as well, desires to please him. A servant of the Lord, that was Miss Peggy Lee. When I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to share, just briefly from his word, to describe this servant of the Lord, he led me to another testimony in the scriptures from a man who made a very short statement about his own life, but a very powerful statement about his own life. Paul was imprisoned at the time. He had already suffered physically for the sake of the gospel. He had suffered personally in the sense that people were abandoning him because he was being persecuted for the faith. And right in the middle of the chapter, in chapter 1 of Philippians, as he writes to these believers... In Philippi, he says these words. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How do you hear that statement? If we put that statement out there to the world, they would be confused. Because the world would say this. For to me to live is me. And this death thing, I haven't even thought about it. But it's certainly not the way this man describes it. Gain? Especially when you come to understand what the word itself means. But that's what Paul says. In writing to these Christians, imprisoned and already suffering, he says, hey, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, for Peggy Lee, she had the same testimony. You say, not that. She didn't suffer in a prison, and she wasn't beaten for her faith. (coughs) No, she wasn't, but she suffered physically. I don't know if you knew that about Miss Peg. But she suffered a lot. She hurt a lot physically. But you know what I never heard her do? Complain. She just accepted what was there physically. 
in spite of her limitations, she would be able to say these words that Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Because Miss Peggy served the Lord in her life. George mentioned a few minutes ago that it is the Lord that we serve and it's through him and the power of the Spirit that we do those things. Listen to some of the acts of service in which the Lord used Miss Peggy. Her and her husband, Norman, worked alongside George and Glenda Morange for several years, serving in the Joy Club. The Joy Club stands for Just Older You. In other words, they're older people. We might want to refer to them as mature people. Some would just say, hey, they're old. But the bottom line is that Norm and Peggy and George and Glenda served in that ministry and serve in that ministry... And you know what I found? Miss Peggy and Glenda kind of run that mystery. And Norman and George do what they say do. <laughs> but as you watch that ministry, and I would walk in there, especially when they met here, and just observe, Peggy was always in the middle of people because Peggy loved being around people. She was a people person. And she loved being around those people and she would not want to take one ounce of credit for anything. She would always say, Dad, I just love that the Lord's given us this opportunity to serve him. So she worked in that ministry for several years. She worked in the nursery, as I've already mentioned. And um, my little Andrew was a part of that nursery years ago. There are so many of you right in here that could say, I had a child in there with Miss Peggy. How many of you, let's do that. How many of you had a child in there with Miss Peggy at one point or another? Look at this, around here. They turned out all right. We thank the Lord for Miss Peggy's heart as it relates to children. I think the one that strikes me the most, though, is Peggy Lee's service in a ministry called Awana. How many of you are familiar with Awana Ministry? They're wonderful little children that come to your building once a week. I use that term wonderful loosely. Wonderful little children, full of energy. I remember when Miss Peggy talked with me about working in Awana. She said, Dad, I think I might want to work in Awana. I said, well, Ms. Pegg, um, you probably need to go talk to Andrea about that. She'd be the one to talk to. She said, yeah, but I just wanted to talk to you to see what it was like. I said, well, Ms. Peggy, there are a lot of wild kids up here on Wednesday nights. <laughs> and I said, um, they're all the way down from little toddlers all the way up through sixth grade. She said, well, which ones are the hardest to work with? I said, all of them, Miss Peggy, all of them. I did find out today and actually this week that she worked with the Sparks, which are the kindergarten, first and second grade, and she worked with the TNT kids. And that is a graduation. When you're working with TNT, those are third through sixth grade kids. And we all know how well-behaved third through sixth grade children are. 
But as I was thinking about her life of service, that ministry just hit me. How many ladies, as mature as Ms. Pay, sign up and say, Lord, if you want to use me in that ministry, I want to be used. To live for Ms. Peggy was Christ, just as the Apostle Paul said about his own life. So part of Miss Peggy's testimony about, is about her life's purpose. Her life's purpose was to serve the Lord. And she came to that decision about service when she was in her 20s. So as I'm looking down in the front row here, there are a few of you that are in your 20s, 30, right? But in your 20s. And, and I know if Miss Peggy was able to say something to the front row and to all the family. The first thing she would say today is, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Not do I know him, I'm with him. Do you know him personally? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? But then she would say, if you do, don't waste your life serving. Be involved in a local church and serve the Lord. That's exactly what Miss Peggy did. So for her to live was Christ. Now this last point that Paul makes is kind of a, probably a, certainly a strange point to the world. Because not only does Paul say to his audience to live as Christ, but he says to die is gain. Well, for some in this audience, death probably does not equate to the gain. Because maybe to this point you have rejected Jesus Christ. Right? You said, no, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. I don't believe that he died on the cross for man's sins because I'm pretty good compared to my neighbor. But the issue is not I'm pretty good compared to my neighbor. The issue is that all man is guilty. I don't know. That's just what the Bible says. It says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all guilty, right? So when we think about this statement, to die is gain. For some who have trusted in Christ, death is gain. They understand, hey, I'm a sinner. Hey, I needed a Savior. And my Savior is Jesus Christ who died for my sins on the cross at Calvary. I've trusted in Him. Peggy Lee was able to point back to a day to say, I trusted in Him that when I was eight years old. But it's almost a phrase that you want to just maybe take a marker and scratch through death is gain? Well, if you don't know Christ, death is not gain. Because if you don't know Christ, death is doom. You will be forever away from the presence of the one who loved you the most. But listen to what this word gain means. The word gain means profit or profitable. So when you read that, Paul says, for to me to live is Christ, to die is profit. <laughs> it's profitable. Now that's crazy language, right? That's just unbelievable. But it's unbelievably great language if you belong to the Lord. Because there is one fact, there are many, but there's one that you need to know today. You're not in charge of when you die. The Bible says it's been appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. So he knows our days. We do not know our days. The question becomes, in our days, 
When is it that we've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior? So death is profitable. Now, the immediate question you might have is, how is that profitable? Well, listen to what Paul goes on to write. He says, but I, if I am to live in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. In other words, if I'm to live in the flesh, I'm not wasting my life. Christ gave me an abundant life. I'm going to live for him. But listen to what he says. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard-pressed from both directions. Having the desire, listen to this, to depart and be with Christ. And then listen to this language. For that is very much better. Not just better. Not just much better. But very much better. Are you convinced of that? All right, it's a good question. If you're convinced that death is gain, you've got no issue today. You're sitting there confident in Christ that upon salvation, the Spirit of God sealed you until the day of redemption. But if you are not in Christ today, then you're not in a good spot. And certainly you do not have death as being gained. Can I give you some good news? Today can be the day of your salvation. You can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ today. You can say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe I'm a sinner. And I'm trusting in what your son, Jesus Christ, did for me on the cross and dying for my sins. I'm trusting in him and him alone for my salvation. There's a lot of people in this building who've heard that message for years and years and years and years. Now, for me, it doesn't get old. But there are testimonies, do you know, of people who've sat in churches for years and years and years and years and have heard that message and believed they're okay. And then all of a sudden, one day, the Spirit of God convicts them of their sin and their need for Christ. And for the first time in their life, they're really okay. And some of these people are 50 and 60 and 70 years old who've come to faith in Christ, who've been religious, but have never had a relationship. So just as Kylie said, it's about relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know about your testimony. I don't know what it is. I would like to know. I would really like to know. I was sharing with someone earlier this morning that I was so thankful the Lord gave me and Miss Peggy just a few moments last Wednesday. Because I would not have known when she came to Christ. And so the Lord reminded me, even on my drive over this morning, Thad, you need to know your congregation better than you do. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Lord? You need to know when they came to Christ. So I know at funerals you don't get many assignments, if any. But would you please write your story out for me? Because I'd love to know how you came to Christ. Because that's the most important testimony that you have. It's a testimony about Christ. J.I. Packer, in writing about heaven, said this. We cannot visualize heaven's life, and the wise man will not try to do so. Instead, he will dwell, listen to this, 
on the doctrine of heaven, where the redeemed will find all their heart's desire. Joy with their Lord and joy with his people. You say, what's heaven about? Joy with the Lord and joy with his people. Well, how long does that last? Forever. Isn't that good? That's good. It ought to put a smile on your face. That's good stuff. It doesn't get better than that. I wanted to read a little bit from Revelation. It's a book that some people like to stay away from. I like to turn to it myself. Because it tells me a lot about what's going to happen in the future. And one of the passages of scripture that I really like is Revelation chapter 4 because it talks about the scene in heaven when the church is gathered with the Lord. It's a beautiful scene, and I hope you'll be patient. I'm going to read 11 verses, okay? 11 verses. But these 11 verses are very powerful. And if you're in Christ, listen to me. Peggy's, that, that scene's yet future for Peggy, just like it's yet future for us. The difference is she's with him right now. But in this context, in Revelation 4, this is when all the church is with the Lord. It says this, After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. You're like, what things? The church age. Okay, that's just a real short answer. All right? So the church age has... has has uh, ceased. The Lord Jesus has come for his church. And then this is what it says. Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold a throne was standing in heaven. And one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting on, uh, was sitting on the throne was like a jasper stone. And a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. Out from the throne come flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God, which is describing the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Wow. Right? The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was flying like an eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night, they do not cease to say. So you have this picture of all these ones involved. And we are there. And day and night, listen to this, they do not cease saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty. Who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will 
fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne saying, listen, what a beautiful saying. You have the people of God in front of the Lamb of God. And this is what's going on. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. Whew. You ready for that? Start memorizing it because that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking to our Lord and our Savior. I'm going to miss Miss Peggy for sure. She was always good for a hug. She used to always tell me, Dad, I know you don't like being hugged, but I'm going to hug you anyway. <laughs> We're going to miss her presence here on earth. But if you want to see Miss Peg again, you're going to have to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the truth. Because Miss Peggy knew him and she lived for him. Let's pray together. So, Father, I want to thank you for the life of Peggy Lee. Lord, I thank you that it was not wasted. I thank you that her life was lived for you. Father, your word tells us that we grieve. And we do. We miss the presence of people who are gone. But as Paul wrote in the case of the believer, we don't grieve like the world. The world grieves with no hope. We do grieve, but we grieve with confidence, knowing that one day our Lord and Savior himself is going to descend in the clouds and he's going to call up his church. And the Bible tells us the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to forever be with the Lord. What a scene that's going to be. And the Bible tells us, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so my prayer this morning is that Norm and Shauna... And Brian and the family would be comforted with your truth, the truth that comes from your word, and that, Lord, you would be with them in these days ahead, in the quiet moments. I pray most of all they would know that your comfort is available to them through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the life of Peggy Lee. Thank you that we could look to her life as a person who committed herself to living for you. Thank you, Lord, even... As we close our time together in song, thank you, our Lord, for um, the fact that all of us who are in Christ are for gonna, forever going to be in your presence. And so we just commit the family to you and comfort for them. And all these things we pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you around you and within you 